Good morning. Good morning. Would you please stand with us? We're going to open with a song here. Get our voices warmed up. And...
Well, good morning, again. Um, I know you guys are used to seeing me up here. You're familiar with me in some sense of that word. But it, it was reminded to me, like a couple weeks ago, I left, I had played guitar, and I was in the foyer, and someone goes, you know, I see you a lot. Who are you? <laughs> so I thought, being that I'm actually not just hiding behind a guitar in the back or singing harmonies or something, I should let you know who I am. Is that all right? My name is Dwayne Van Bradley. No, it's not Van Bradley. I'm not Dutch. I don't fit in here. Uh, it's just Bradley. But I was a worship pastor at a Mennonite Brethren Church for 10 years. And I'm not Mennonite either. I'm not German. So I'm already used to this like fish out of water situation. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not one of you, but I feel like I'm one of you. But honestly, that all goes to the wayward anyways, because we're here to worship God, and God doesn't see any of that. So, thank you for having me here. Uh, thank you for letting me be part of this, and uh, being here to lead you, and I pray that we can find God together. Is that all right? Let's bow our heads and, and go on that journey together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather here, that we can find the joy and the happiness in who you are and what you've done for us. We thank you for the Advent season that we've just traveled through and the anticipation and the payoff of that anticipation of the delivery of a promise. And we know as we're starting a new year, we still have that anticipation. We still wait for who you are and what you've promised to fulfill for us. And so as we gather this morning to sing praises, to hear your word, to grow with you and towards you, we just pray that your spirit strengthens us, leads us as we do that. Amen. Let's continue worshiping together. You are good, you are good When there's nothing good in me You are love, you are love On display for all to see You are light you are light when the darkness closes in. You are hope, you are hope. You have offered all my sin. You are peace, you are peace. When my fear is crippling. You are true, you are true. Even in my wandering. You are joy. You are joy, you're the reason that I sing. You are life, you are life, in you death has lost its sting. Oh, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be Nothing compares to your embrace, light of the world forever. 
Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for that worship team. Um, that was a beautiful set, and that last song is probably one of my most favorite songs. I've sung that so many times in Ethiopia, just playing that in my room or with staff. It's just so amazing. That's why we're here today. <laughs> the love of God, so rich and pure, so powerless and strong, and it lasts forever. And that's why we're here. So. I just want to welcome everybody to New Life Church on this very first Sunday of the new year. My name is Eve Pohl, and I'm your host this morning. And we're going to start, as always, with our, our young children, uh, sending them out to uh, church. And so if you're ages three or five or in grades one to five, please come and take your seat here on the front step. And uh, come on the floor. We're going to be, you're going to be continuing your worship downstairs with your teachers and leaders. But before you go, we are going to play, pray a blessing over you. And of course, if you're a teacher or a leader or a parent and want to bring your children down, please come on as well. Congregation, if you'd like, please stand a hand over these little ones and their leaders as we pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you for these little ones, for your love that just showers over them. Thank you for bringing them into our lives and into our church. And we just pray that this morning, as they go downstairs, that um, you would just be with their worship, speak to their hearts in their ways that they can understand, that their faith can be nurtured that their love for you can grow. And I just pray that you would bless the leaders and the teachers as they 
work with these kids and pour into them. And we just love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, kids, you can be dismissed. Little Lights exit on the left and Kids Church and Leaders on the right. Well, welcome. We're so glad that you're here with us this morning. And if you're a guest with us, we would love for you to fill out a Connect card in front of you. And then you can bring it to the booth outside, and they'll have a special gift for all of our guests. And if you're online joining us this morning, we hope that you will uh, connect in the comments with other people that are worshiping along with us together. So for the announcements this morning, a big one is that the hospitality team is looking for volunteers to serve on Sunday mornings in two positions. The first one that they really need is greeters to serve once a month, those who will warmly welcome people as they come into the door and all of their guests and each other. So they're looking for, in addition to that, several other people who will work the coffee and dish service. Now that cleanup only happens twice a year. So you can volunteer once a month as a greeter or twice a year serving coffee and cleaning up. So if you're interested in that, please contact the church office to sign up for either one of these opportunities. Okay, so I'm here because I wanted to let you know, I don't know if you're aware of this, but if we were in Ethiopia today, we would not be welcoming each other with a Happy New Year, but rather a Merry Christmas. Because Malcolm Genna, yes, definitely. Because today in Ethiopia is Christmas Day. And this year for Christmas, Hope for Cora gave 300 children and 60 mothers new shoes. And about 130 families received Christmas dinner. And many of you here at New Life Church have helped make that happen. So thank you so much. That I'm sure has made their... Christmas very meaningful. I don't have pictures yet, but I'm sure I'll be getting them in the next week or so, and I'll be sure to get those out there on Facebook and that for people to see. I myself will be heading back to Ethiopia with a small team, including Jacqueline Strading, for those of you who know her, on January 18th, and Dave will be joining us the first week of February. So we'd very much appreciate your prayers while we're away. There's always so much happening on the ground, And one of the things we plan to do is many home visits with our new families. Hope for Cora recently added 20 new families to our family empowerment program. And during these home visits, when I go with them, I usually like to bring like some articles of clothing for each member of the family. So I'm hoping that maybe some of you might be able to help us out because we're in need of some ladies gently used new or new, uh, long skirts, dresses, tops, scarves, not winter scarves, but more the decorative scarves, like you know how Ethiopians, they love to wear a lot of scarves. So I've put a bin in front of the uh, New Life mailboxes by the office, and it'll be there until next Sunday morning. If you might have something like that and like to help out, I'd be very happy to bring it to Ethiopia with me. The other big need that we have is for sponsors. You may have noticed on the way in, that Hope for Cora has a sponsorship table in the foyer today. 
And many of these new families are still waiting for sponsors, and there's a few educational uh, kids sponsorships as well. And for these families, this is likely the only opportunity they're going to be given to overcome some of the complex barriers of living in deep poverty. Each one of these families comes from a place of desperation and hopelessness. And to give you just a glimpse, Ficker, who you see on the screen, is living in a dangerous and swampy area of Cora. She is in a very vulnerable situation trying to provide for her girls, and she has turned to begging as a means of survival. Berke and her husband, they live in a mud hut near the garbage dump. The roof leaks, and the home floods during the heavy rains. Her husband is a supportive father. He's trying hard to provide for his family, but even so, they don't get enough food. So the parents will often skip meals, and the oldest child is underweight. Before the age of 10, Vicker was both orphaned and placed in an arranged marriage. Being so young, she eventually fled that relationship and later remarried. But during a period of political instability, her husband was kidnapped and she has not heard from him since. Now she cares for her three children and orphaned niece alone. Gannett never had the opportunity to go to school. She doesn't know her father and was raised by her mother until the age of nine. Then she was given to her uncle to be used as a shepherd for four years. As payment, she received one calf. At 14 years old, she sold the calf for $3 and moved by herself to Addis Ababa, where she eventually met her husband. Over time, he began to hit her and would come home late at night, drunk. When it became too much, she finally left him. Gannett is struggling, and their food source is very scarce. She mostly feeds her children by providing them with leftovers from restaurants. She also begs outside the church to bring home money or food. This next slide is showing you all of these different families recently, or really a month or two ago, a few months ago. Um, this was before sponsorship. And when you look at them, you can actually see the struggle and angst on their faces. We had them come by our compound to receive oil and grain for their families. And if you look at their faces, it's so different from the faces of our women who have been on our program for just one year. And that is the difference that hope makes. Many of you here in New Life are already sponsoring some of these women who've been in the program for a year, and some of you have been sponsoring other women who have graduated and have been in for a long time or their kids. But if you haven't sponsored yet, and it's something you might like to consider, sponsorships can be shared, and it can change the direct change the direct uh, trajectory of a person's life. So you can sponsor individually as a family, you could sponsor friends, you could sponsor with your care group. Jim Parasini's care group has been sponsoring several different families for about five or six years now, and here's what they have to say. I think sponsorship is a great way for small groups to get involved. For us, taking our commitment to serve beyond our church or even community. 
It has been a great way to see the Cora family start to not only live a better life, but to see them start businesses to provide for themselves. Sponsoring a family is a great way for small groups to give back, and if finances are hard, the cost of sponsorship is stretched over a number of folks, and it's doable, and the care group sees the contribution it is making and the positive impact on another family halfway around the world. Thank you, Parasini Care Group, and for all of you here that sponsor. So if you're interested, please drop by the sponsorship table in the foyer. We have profiles of families that you can choose from, or you can go to our website and click on Available Families at hopeforcora.org sponsor. So now I'd like to move away from sponsorship to today's offering. Today we're taking an offering for New Life Ministries, and this goes towards the New Life budget. We're excited to see what God has in store for the ministries here in our church for 2024. You can give your offering electronically in the ways that are listed on the screen, or you can bring it to one of the offering boxes at the front during the fellowship time. So I'd like to just take a moment and for all of us to pray for today's offering. Dear God, thank you for being with us here this morning. Thank you for our worship time. Thank you that we can come before you and just present ourselves as an offering and use us, God. And use the gifts that we bring today, Lord, in the ways that you see fit. We pray that we would come alongside your vision and work here on earth. And this morning, as we give these tithes and offerings to our ministries, please use them to glorify your name, that many will come to know you and love you more and more. In Jesus' name, we pray all this. Amen. And before we break for fellowship, just one quick reminder that it's seniors' luncheon today upstairs. So you go out the east door and take the elevator to the third floor, and all seniors are welcome. So for everyone, we're now going to take our three-minute fellowship time, and this is the time where we greet one another with the peace of Christ. You can meet someone new. You can welcome them here. You can wish them Merry Christmas in Hamarik Malcolm Gana, or you can say Happy New Year. And uh, you can also bring your offerings to the front to either of the boxes. So may you experience God's love today in all that you do. Thank you.
All right, if you would take a seat, please. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. It doesn't really feel like it, but it is the first Sunday of 2024, and uh, so welcome again to New Life. Glad that we're here together, anticipating a, a year together, and uh, I just wanted to take a moment to uh, commit this year then uh, to our God and uh, ask for a blessing on uh, all the times that we will gather together uh, here uh, at New Life uh, throughout this year. So uh, let's pray together. There's uh, several things, several people that uh, we want to uphold in prayer as well within the congregation and elsewhere. And so, uh, yeah, let's pray together. Almighty God, you are the ruler of the universe over all time, over all places. And so, God, we give you all the glory and all the praise. We exalt you. We worship you, Father. We trust that you have us in your hands, that you have this world in your hands. And so as we uh, stand at the beginning of a new year, Father, we pray that, um, that you will guide us and lead us, that your presence will sustain us day by day in all of our ambitions, in all of our hopes and dreams, in all of our plans, in all of our activities. Father, we pray that all that we are and all that we do will be to your honor, to your glory so that more and more we can show off your kingdom, show off that you rule this world. So thank you, God, for the times in which we see good news breaking forth. And we pray, God, that you will walk with us in the times where it seems dark, and that in those times we will cling to you Know your powerful and strong love that we sang about. And that your mercy will endure. Father, we pray for New Life Church. Pray, God, that in all of our ministry here, that we will shine your glory. Pray for each person, Father, gathers in this place week after week or periodically, Pray for each person, God, who seeks you here at New Life Church. God, we pray that, that you will continue to reveal yourself in wonderful ways, in daily ways, so that more and more we can reflect your glory. And so, Father, we uh, pray for people who are struggling, people who are uh, uh, finding it difficult to get through the days. We pray, Father, uh, for Tina Van Garderen. Pray that you will sustain her. Thank you for the healing that uh, you have provided for her. And pray that you will uh, grant her full restoration. We pray, God, for uh, others who are grieving the loss of loved ones. Pray for uh, Cora and Henry Rempel and passing of Cora's dad. We pray for uh, 
Mike and Teresa Flores, Grant and Lori Flores, and the passing of Mike and Grant's mother. Father, we pray that in those times you will bring your comfort and that your presence will sustain us. Lord Jesus, we commit this day to you. We commit our time to you. We commit our lives to you, Father. That in this year, we may grow closer to you and that uh, your kingdom may come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, we're beginning a new series of messages today, and uh, the series uh, title is called No Easy Answers. And I thought, well, you know what, maybe it's just my imagination, but, but a pulpit conveys the sense that here's where the answers are. And uh, so I thought to do away with the pulpit and, uh, and have a table and chairs nobody's going to sit there other than anyone you might imagine, yourself or someone else. And, uh, well, in part, I, I have a chair because I've been sick all week and I don't think I can stand for a half an hour. So, um, this series is about a series of, or is about a number of questions that uh, have been given to us by the youth and uh, we asked them, hey, give us some questions about faith, about Christianity, about anything. And uh, they did. Wonderful questions. Many good questions. And uh, we picked through them and discerned several of the questions that uh, we want to address. Uh, questions. Questions that um, are important. Questions that are uh, critical even, questions that we simply need to listen to. So the series isn't about the answers necessarily to these questions, but raising the questions and exploring those questions together. Not all questions have answers. Sometimes there is no answer. Sometimes a question simply sets us to wondering, and that in itself is important. Sometimes questions do have answers, but those answers need to be given carefully. And so uh, we want to pay attention to all of those things uh, in this series. So today's question. Today's question is this. Can Jesus be true for you, but not for me? Let me let that sink in for you a bit. Can Jesus be true for you, but not for me? Is that possible? Is, is that allowed? Is that logical? Am I going to get in trouble if I would raise that question? It's a good question. Can Jesus be true for you, but not for me? It's a great question, I think, for several reasons. Number one, I think it represents a person who is wrestling with faith and trying to make it their own. That's exciting. To be able to say, look, I'm not just going to not question this. 
And though it's, uh, I, I suppose, cast in somewhat of a negative frame, right? The impression is, I, I don't want to have to believe in Jesus. That's not necessarily the case. It might just represent the fact that somebody's wrestling with trying to make the faith their own. <laughs> that's, an important, that's an important issue. question also represents someone seeking other perspectives. In a culture and in an age and in a society where, <clears throat> where acceptance is a high value, where being non-judgmental is critical in a volatile environment such as our world is today. To be able to receive one another. This question is saying, is it just a matter of outright rejection? Or condemnation even? So another question uh, that was raised that uh, could just as well have addressed here is, is Christianity against diversity? How, How can we accept one another when we have these different opinions? These different uh Uh, perspectives. How do we receive one another? That in itself is an important question. Another reason why I like this question, though, is also because it represents uh, a certain worldview, a worldview in which all of us live and all of us participate in, and to some degree or other, all of us Um, operate with. A worldview uh, is a perspective on on the way things are that, um, so we can have a Christian worldview and that would be uh, recognizing that God created everything that there is and so therefore we care for it and so on. But there's also a popular worldview uh, that, that we just participate in by virtue of being part of the broader culture. And I mean, that worldview could be characterized in a number of ways, I suppose, but one of those ways is uh, significantly, uh, in our popular worldview, we place a very high value on the individual, on myself, right, on self. I mean, we talk a lot about self-esteem, self-satisfaction, self-fulfillment, and all of those things. And probably most of us would consider that to be important, right? As part of a worldview. I mean, generations ago, people simply wouldn't ask, how is myself? They wouldn't ask that. They don't pay attention to that. It's just not part of the worldview of, of saying, oh, that's part of importance uh, to, to living. So this high value on, on individuality is, is uh, represented in this question. Can Jesus be true for you as an individual, but not for me as an individual? Because we assume in that worldview that we all need to find our own uh, self-fulfillment. We all can determine for ourselves what's best for us. 
It's part of our worldview. Another part of our worldview is, uh, is thinking in terms of uh, material things. What you see is what you get. What's in front of us, what you can touch, what you can feel, um, what you can uh, think about, though, that's real. Whereas spirituality is considered, well, not necessarily unreal, but certainly optional. Indeed, uh, it has to be private. It's not a public thing, right? It's just your own perspective, spirituality is. You just, you develop your own spirituality. That's that individuality again, and as well, materiality, uh, materialism. And then also a sense of um, what's called consumerism, right? Invades our worldview, right? How do you get satisfaction out of life? You consume things. Not only stuff in terms of material things, but, but you, need, you need to consume experiences, thrills, right? So, so we, we, we head out for adventure. Why? Well, because in our worldview, that is what satisfies our lives. All of that is embraced in this question, can Jesus be true for you, but not for me? I mean, look, even, even here at New Life, one of the first items in uh, our vision statement that we say identifies ourselves. what are we about? The first thing we say is, we're about experiencing God's love. Now, that's a good thing. Nevertheless, it's about consuming an experience. So, so this question is in the context of a popular worldview that, that favors the individual, that places a high emphasis on, is it good for me, and, and can I grasp it, and uh, can, can it be experiential for me? Can, can, it, can, it, can, it, can I take it into my life to find fulfillment, satisfaction, happiness, uh, all of those kinds of things. So ultimately, then, this question, can Jesus be true for you but not for me, is a question then about truth. What is truth? That's an age-old question. Again, within a worldview context of well, self-determination. It's a matter of, I have to decide for myself. Again, generations ago, you wouldn't have thought that way. It's not a matter of whether you would ask that question. You, it just wouldn't have been a question. It's not a matter of determining myself. You just, you just follow along because this is the way it is. And nowadays, we live in a different context. So what's truth? Well, let's read a passage in Scripture where that long-established truth has been turned upside down as well. In John chapter 14. The Gospel of John uh, addresses truth quite a bit, actually. 
And so in John chapter 14, Jesus, Jesus has just uh, told his disciples that, that he's going to depart from them in a rather cruel manner. He's going to be betrayed and crucified and die. And then he will go away from them. Now, for the disciples, who were a rather unsophisticated band of brothers, um, they were following Jesus, they were staking their life on Jesus, uh, and they were going against all of the traditional foundations of what was considered truth, specifically the Torah, as uh, administered by the Sadducees and Pharisees and so on. So the disciples, they were definitely outliers. And they were taking a huge risk following Jesus, staking their life on Jesus. And when Jesus says, well, now's going to be the time when I depart from you, will that cast them into some serious conflict, uh, into some serious fear? And so Jesus seeks to comfort them. This passage is uh, perhaps familiar to you. It begins with, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then he describes this image, which is very much like a marriage uh, scenario where uh, a man would go to uh, the the woman's uh, place of residence and uh, essentially be married or betrothed. And then he would go back to his home, prepare a place in his father's house uh, for his new family. And then he would go back take his wife and bring her uh, home. And that's what Jesus describes. And he says, uh, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back, take you to be with me, and you, that you also may be where I am. That takes a lot of trust, that indeed he will come back. In the meantime, what are you supposed to do? And so Jesus says, you know the way to the place where I am going. We do. Thomas said to to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. You got to hear a lot of frustration, probably some anger and a lot of fear in this response. Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And then Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So, realize what's happening here. The disciples of Jesus already have separated themselves from the standard way of truth the way of the religious leaders, Pharisees, and so on. And Jesus taught them that the way of the law was no longer sufficient. Truth that had been established for centuries was now going to be fulfilled in Jesus. I am the truth, Jesus says. That's different than The truth is Torah, as the Jews were used to. It's also also different than what we're used to, where truth is a propositional statement. Truth is a theory 
that you propose and then you prove its uh, fact, that its truth, and then you have truth. So we're in much the same situation as the disciples were. Jesus is saying the foundations of truth have changed. It's not a matter of a propositional statement. It's not a matter of a law. It's not a matter of some strategy. It's not a matter of a formula. It's not a matter of three steps and you're in. I am the truth, Jesus says. Truth now is a person. Truth is a person. When you live life in pursuit of, of life of, and what's right, when you, when you live uh, a, a life in pursuit of, of the truth, it'll be found in knowing a person, in knowing Jesus. No longer found in a particular theology, no longer found in a certain set of beliefs, no longer found in a certain morality or a certain set of behaviors, in a person. So let's consider this question once again. Can Jesus be true for you, but not for me? Switch it around. Can Jesus be true for me and not for you? And then it's easy to receive one another and we can let go of exclusivity and all of that. And you know what? In fact, that is how we operate today. Given our modern mindset that seems pretty logical and quite satisfactory to say, oh, yeah, sure. I mean, in fact, it already happens, right? We meet a person on the street, and you discuss whether Jesus existed or not, and you part ways by saying, well, you believe what you believe, I'll believe what I believe. Right? That's that's pretty much how we operate these days. I mean, consider, we just came out of a pandemic, right? Lots of arguments there, lots of contention, even within our own families. And finally, we said, well, you believe what you believe, I'll believe what I believe. There's no foundation of truth anymore. Everybody said, hey, I'm my own expert. Right? Where is the foundation of truth? in a popular worldview that emphasizes the material world and the priority on the individual, this question makes sense. It makes logical sense, even. Established truth has changed. It changed for the disciples. It changed in the Middle Ages with the rise of Enlightenment thinking and science, and the scientific method, and it has changed in our secular global society. The other day I read an article about how we receive the news. It used to be that we, we received the news and considered it true through uh, 
multinational media corporations. Nowadays, we distrust those uh, big corporations, and we go to podcasts, individual podcasts. You listen to three of them, and you get your perspective, and I listen to three different ones, and I get my perspective, and we establish our own truth. We discern it for ourselves. People live this way. You and I live this way. We believe this way, which is why we have so many churches and so many styles of worship, and which is why we assume that we can switch among them because we get to determine what's good for us. This is the way we live. The foundations of truth, whether you like it or not, have changed. So when Thomas asks Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? He's asking that question about truth. God, it's all up in the air now. Where do we go? And he's thinking in the pattern of established truth. Just give us Just give us the rules. Just give us the steps. Give us the formula. Give us the ideas. And when Jesus says, I am the truth, he changes the question. It's no longer a question about truth. It's a question about what kind of Jesus do you want? It's a question about who is Jesus? So when you ask, can Jesus be true for you, but not for me? The answer is, who is Jesus? Or perhaps, who do you want Jesus to be? If Jesus is just a good idea, one of the three steps you need to take in order to have a fulfilled life that you have determined to satis- that would satisfy yourself. If Jesus is just a good idea, then it's easy to create any kind of option of saying, oh, well, I don't need that idea. Or I do need that idea. And then it's merely optional. Then you can go to church or not go to church. You can be part of a small group or not be part of a small group. It's your option. It's just a good idea. And then Jesus is optional. True for one, not so true for another. A good idea for some, not the greatest idea for others. Which allows the kind of diversity and acceptance that we want. But what do we end up with? What kind of Jesus do you want? Who is Jesus? If he is real, if Jesus is real, he is truth. He is life. And then it's kind of hard to make him optional. If he is real, then he's not only true for me, 
But he's true for the whole world because he's changed the whole world. I am the truth. Not a matter of you figuring out truth. I am truth. Truth is a person. You can't say to someone who is real, oh, he's not real for me. You can't say that. You can decide to ignore someone, but you cannot make their existence optional. Likewise with Jesus. So perhaps this is the challenge for us in this new year. It's not simply to determine whether Jesus is true for me, but to ask ourselves, what kind of Jesus do I want? And if you want a real Jesus, then we need to commit to knowing Jesus, to pursue his love, to pursue his mercy, to know Jesus as a person that walks alongside of us every moment of our days. If Jesus is real and true as a person, then in every way, you'll want to know that, that person. You'll want to live with that person. You'll want to love that person with all your heart, mind, and strength. Just a good idea that you can carry around in your head. Perhaps will make you feel satisfied. But is that just the kind of person, the kind of Jesus you want? Or do you want a real Jesus? Let's pray together. God, we believe. Help us in our unbelief, which is sometimes not just a denial of faith, but is getting caught up in, in all of the thought patterns of our world and trying God to sort things out and stay true to you. Thank you, God, that you revealed yourself through Jesus Christ. And may you find us faithful, God, in this coming year to pursue knowing you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, reveal your love to us. God, reveal your salvation to us. Reveal to us, God, that you treasure us so much that you've redeemed us, saved us, gathered us already to yourself. And then, God, help us to live in boldness, in confidence, in the surety that you are preparing a place for us and you will come back for us and we will be received in glory. 
And so, Father, we surrender ourselves to you. We surrender all of our self-determination. We surrender all of our uh, own, own ambitions. We surrender, God, all of our concerns for, for uh, our own success and our own well-being and our own uh, satisfaction. We surrender it all, God. And we trust in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What a peace that comes from acknowledging the one true God. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing about the King of Heaven who's come down to uh, save us and bring his glory to us.
gather up all of your stuff to leave in the same way gather up all of the stuff in your life some worries probably maybe some fear gather it up maybe some dreams and ambitions that you're nervous about or that you're excited about gather it up bring it before God and receive his blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face of love towards you and give you his peace. Amen.